Welcome to Sold Out Sports Talk with your host, Roman Gabriel III. Up-close conversations with high-impact personalities from the world of sports and entertainment. Follow Roman on Twitter and Facebook at Roman Gabriel 3. Today's show will feature interviews with actor Ryan O'Quinn, a producer with Damascus Films. Visit SoldOutTV.com for all things faith, family, and sports 365 days a year. Now, here's Roman Gabriel III. Welcome to Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel. I tell you what, great to have you with us, and uh, I'm going to get right to our guest. Uh, this man's a very talented actor, producer, Ryan O'Quinn with us right here on Sold Out Sports Talk. Ryan, how are you? I am great, Roman. Thank you so much. You started out uh, doing Beverly Hills 90210 and Alias, Melrose Place, Third Rock from the Sun. And one of my favorite movies that's one of the most underrated movies ever, That Thing You Do with Tom Hanks. That was such a cool movie. Uh, that was a great – in fact, I'm staring at a poster of it right now uh, on the wall in my office. And, yeah, that was one of my – I think it was the first movie I did when I came to Los Angeles. And, of course, you know, being a, a young novice actor and not really understanding how it works. So, uh, like a rookie in every sense of the word, I was – I was frustrated when I went to set because it took them, you know, 12 or 14 hours to get to me. Not to mention the fact that I was directed by a two-time Academy Award-winning actor. So, <laughs> you know, it, I often compare it to that that moment on uh, on Saturday Night Live. I think it was Chris Farley who used to do this character where he, you know, he's an interviewer and he's sitting across from from a, a great host and he just is at a loss for words. But at the end of the day, I shot this this little scene. It was the very last setup of the day and. Uh, and we were walking back to base camp, which was about 200 yards from where we were shooting in Leo Carrillo State Beach, just north of Malibu, California. And I just had that moment where it was just me and Tom. I feel like I can call him Tom now, right? It was just me <laughs> and Tom and the, and the first AD and the script supervisor and uh, a prop gal and uh, the DP. And that was it. And we were walking back to base camp, and I just had that moment of, I've got to say something. I've got to say something. How, what, how, what do I say? How do I talk to Tom Hanks? And so I just said, I loved you in Philadelphia. I just had, I had nothing else. No, nowhere to go. I, I know where you're like, coming from. I've been in some of those. Gump? You were awesome. <laughs> That's all I, I got out. I'm you sure. always, you, I did the same thing with sports. And what's interesting about you, Ryan, is, is, is you know, th- there are very few guys out there that go from stand-up comedy opportunity like you have? And, and, of course, well, I have to ask you this. I don't think I've ever seen it put this way. What is the YouTube star of the moment and the YouTube star of the month? <laughs> uh, somebody, somebody's been reading their, the, the Wikipedia. Page, I have. I believe, but that, yeah, no, no, that's good. That's good. I was actually uh, given that moniker. I think YouTube star of the moment came from the G4 network. Which right. May or may, I may still be around. Maybe it was acquired by Twitch. Network, but um, uh, you know they—I guess they still do it. But they nominate, and I guess fans vote for, and eventually they they bestow YouTube Star of the Moment, which I think is a is a finite period of time, maybe three three months or so, or something like that. And then, of course, Star of the Month. But uh, years ago, I had a viral video company, and this is back in the days when uh, none of us knew, and I don't think we still really understand exactly how to monetize viral content. But back in the days before Google acquired YouTube, I had one of the top 100 channels on the YouTube platform. And so we would, you know, uh, do funny little viral videos and do viral content and shoot anywhere from, 
you know, 30-second parody commercials up to three-and-a-half-minute, you know, snippets of funny video content. And, you know, the, I live in L.A., of course, and, and all of my uh, buddies in the group were between shows. It's, you know, UPMs and it's unit production managers or, or directors of television shows or writers on television shows, and inevitably, at some point, everybody is between jobs or between between movies, and so... I would just gather a group of people together and we would write some funny content and go out and shoot it. And several of those, you know, got the eye of, uh, of some of those bigger television series. And so a couple of different times I would <laughs> YouTube star of the, of the moment or of the month or whatever. And then years later, um, I kind of revisited that viral platform and, uh, some buddies of mine and I from church actually did a viral video. We had no, no idea, nor was the, the goal to to do a viral video that would, would, pardon the pun, go viral in that way, but it did. It was literally, it spawned out of sitting around my fire pit with some some, uh, some guys in a small group, you know, guys from church. And again, living in the heartbeat of the entertainment industry here, it, uh, it was just guys, you know, a, a Bible study, end of the Bible study, and uh, I think it was me that said, uh, and I think this is how all great things get started. I said, you know, wouldn't it be funny if dot dot dot? Right, <laughs> that's what most great things happen. I said, you know, it would be funny. And we were all commiserating, by the way, over uh, you know we were in the zeitgeist of all things frozen. So I have three kids, ages six, eight, and ten, right wow. now. And a couple couple years ago, we were in the middle of these frozen. Of course, every party we went to, every costume my kids wore had something to do with frozen, and we were. 40-year-old guys who knew every word of the song, and we would sing those songs out loud in the shower by ourselves, right? You know, that's something inherently weird about that. So, uh, you know, I said, you know what we should do is we should rewrite the words to one of the songs and sing it from a dad's perspective. So exactly what happened, and again, it's just some funny guys that, that I go to church with, and we did that, and we carved out one Saturday afternoon, and we shot this funny little video where we uh, we did that. We changed the words to one of the songs, and we sang it from a dad's perspective. And it's all about you know running, you know, having kids in the minivan, and never being able to watch the movie but only hear the movie because it's playing on the DVD player behind you. And just the the random insanity that we go through as parents. And we re- we kind of sat on it for a couple of months and released it on Father's Day weekend. Again, you know, Roman, had you asked me, I would have probably said, I don't know, if we get to 2,500 hits, that's a win. You know, we just kind of sent it out to some friends in, at church and some friends in our small group and said, hey, check this out kind of thing. Well, cut to Monday morning and three and a half million views later. I mean, wow. <laughs> it's just kind of weird thing. So that's when, that's when the, the dad dudes was born. Which is that's cool. Like, Ryan O'Quinn is with us, producer, actor. And, um, you know, I was going to ask you because – there are, you know, a, a pretty, I think, a larger group of uh, what I would call Christian-based uh, actors in the business. And, uh, you know, you step into both both of those realms and have to balance that. Um, how, how difficult is it being in the Hollywood environment and being a Christian actor, producer, and stepping into both worlds? How difficult is that out there? Well, the key anywhere, Roman, and I believe this is, includes every industry that you're in, uh, is to surround yourself with good people. And I, I certainly, you know, Hebrews talks about having a great cloud of witnesses, and I, and I certainly have a good, solid group of, of people that uh, we hold each other accountable. And that was one of my mandates from the very beginning, knowing full well as I, when I came to L.A. 22 years ago, that, uh, you know, I, I was not going to be 
standing on Hollywood Boulevard and passing out tracks with Tom Cruise, right? You know, I had to, but I still wanted to, I obviously wanted to maintain my faith and try as best I could to, to pick projects that would be uh, glorifying and, and, and honoring and as best I could find agents and managers that understood that here in Hollywood. But I think the key is, uh, is surrounding yourself with good people. I mean, it's not uncommon for me to get a script and then pass it around to, to three or four confidants and ask them to look at it and pray about it and to figure out the next steps. And so I think that's a, that's a huge plus. And, and I will say also, you know, people often who are not from Los Angeles or, or haven't lived here for any length of time often just kind of paint Hollywood as this general broad stroke den of iniquity. You know, that's right. where, that's where bad things happen. Ironically, George Barna did a study several years ago. And if you're familiar with the Barna studies, it's not just, you know, a series of questions and, and check this box. It's, it was pretty in-depth questions where he asked people um, in-depth questions about their faith. And the result of that study, strangely, was Los Angeles County, California. Now, not, not Hollywood specifically, nor the entertainment industry generally, but Los Angeles County, California has more evangelical Christians than any other county in the United States, which wow. I would think it'd be, it was certainly shocking to me, and I think shocking to your listeners. That is surprising. So, yeah, and one of the things I found is uh, here, especially once you come across believers and you and you, uh, you know, have reason to, to be in church here, I find that. And again, I hope this is not a, a generality, but I find that it's not just a um, it's not just a social club for the most part. And, and I grew up in Virginia, and I'm not saying it's, it's that way there, but generally speaking, in the Bible Belt, you know, there is a, a, a and I was in the same boat. You can can fall into a trap of, well, this is what we do because it's Sunday and because we're American and because we're not something else, and I must be a Christian. Yeah. And Ryan, obviously, that's not everybody. Ryan O'Quinn is with us. He's the actor-producer, and um, that kind of leads me to uh, you developing Damascus Road Productions. Uh, what, what was the thought in, in doing that and, and the kind of things that you want to do? Yeah, well, Damascus Road, and I, it's great that you mentioned the name. Somebody asked me that just the other day, and it gives me, among other things, an opportunity to talk about, you know, uh, sometimes briefly, what happened to Paul, to Paul on the road to Damascus, and that's exactly what the, word, the, uh, the name comes from. Is You know, uh, Paul's life was radically changed when he, came, when he had an encounter with Jesus in a powerful way, and, and com- you know, 180 compared to his job, as it were, to to killing Christian people in order to write the majority of the New Testament, right? So Damascus Road Productions is the name of my production company, and, and our internal mandate is to, to tell good stories, and that's exactly what we want to do. And it's not always uh, biblically driven or evangelical in nature. Sometimes they are, but for the most part, we just want to, to tell really good stories that have a positive moral message. And as I mentioned, I have three kids under 10 years old, and primarily I want to go to a, a movie theater or sit on the couch uh, and watch, right. watch one of our movies and not have to cover their eyes or ears nor explain anything away. And so that's, you know, in, in quick terms, kind of the mandate of the company. I want my, my kids, I want my grandmother to sit on one side of me and my six-year-old son on the other side of me and for us to, to laugh and, and be able to have a good takeaway at the end of the films that we produce. Ryan O'Quinn with us, uh, actor-producer right here on Sold Out Sports Talk on AFR. And um, this brings me to something interesting. You know, you had a number one best-selling book uh, about parenting, uh, kind of from a humorous standpoint. Uh, Our audience, obviously, American family, is very interested in the family, very interested in protecting the family. So uh, talk about uh, 
that best-selling book and about how that came about. Yeah, thank you. The name of the book is Parenting Rules, The Hilarious Handbook for Surviving Parenthood. And uh, it really spawned out of, right after the success of that viral video that we did, Dad, Dad's response to Disney's frozen. I had this, this opportunity and, and, you know, that capitalizing on that 15 minutes, as it were, to, uh, to do, do, do some other things, including a book. So a publishing company came to me. And by the way, I had been on the road for 10 years. From 2003 to 2013, I was on the road doing stand-up improv and sketch comedy, traveling to primarily large platform church events and, and uh, music festivals and lots of summer camps. And so I was on the go nonstop. In fact, about 120 days a, 120 days a year uh, at its peak. And so with three kids under five, that was a, that was a little crazy. So I, I pulled the plug on, on traveling so much in 2013. But I, while I was on the road, I would always talk about my family, and my, my stand-up really just spawns out of uh, the, cr- the crazy things that happen, you know, being a parent, especially a parent of small kids. And so when the publishing company asked if I had uh, a book, like any good actor <laughs> slash liar, I said, sure, how many do you want? But but the, the book, Parenting Rules, really came out of uh, my stand-up routine. So it's divided up into chapters that kind of chronologically goes through, you know, the, the day of birth, as it were, I think is part of chapter one, all the way up to, you know, being a, a father of an eight or nine-year-old kid, and in my case, three kids that are all about 18 months apart. And so it's just the insanity that happens in your household, uh, being a parent to the small kids. And then the, the follow-up to that is another book. Because of the success of Parenting Rules, they asked for another book. So my wife and I together wrote a book called Marriage Rules, the hilarious handbook to surviving marriage. So it's really just a, a kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek look at uh, those two books, marriage and parenting, but from a real-world perspective of the crazy things that happened in my household. Roman. Ryan, what's the challenge um, having young kids in in this environment where information is available everywhere, um, phones, computers, um, watching commercials today is, is a challenge with kids even now. Uh, so as a father, you know, how difficult is it with young kids today in this current environment? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I always hated hearing that, and I'm sure my kids hate hearing the old adage, and I know you felt the same way, you know, when our, our parents would say to us, when I was your age. <laughs> you know, but the reality is it really is much different than it was, you know, for you and me growing up in the, in the 70s and 80s, for example. Uh, and think, and that's partly the reason why, for all of the benefits of, of technology and social media and all of the pluses that revolve around that, and I, I firmly believe there are great, great results because of it, you really have to be judicious and, and discerning, be willing to talk to your kids. That's one of the things that my wife and I pride ourselves on. You and I both know that you know we have a, we have a finite amount of time to shape their worldview, which is one of the reasons that I came off the road from, from traveling so much. And I'll tell you, a quick story, if we have if we have time, I mean, one of the, uh, the, really the gut punch, what I often call the gut punch of the Holy Spirit, came in 2013. I, I slept in my bed four days in eight weeks. That's how much I'd been on wow. the road. And I was really trying to get back home to, to my home in Southern California and took my kids in. And as fate would have it, you know, I didn't get back. Flight, flights were delayed and canceled and only one of my three kids was awake at the time when I got back, and my oldest, who at the time was five years old, I, I rushed in to, you know, tucked him in bed, and, and my oldest was the only one that was awake, and 
you know, we have this little routine, not unlike many people, uh, you know, saying our prayers and tucking them in bed at night. And she sat up, age five, and said, Dad, what do you think God's plan was when he allowed, her words, Moses to be thrown into the river? Don't you think that little baby was scared? And I got to tell you, Roman, in that moment, it was like a gut punch. Mm. There was no no segue. We weren't talking about that at all. I don't know where that came from. But in that moment, I made a decision and said, you know, I've got to be home. Because if she if she has questions like this, her answers are going to come from somewhere. She, right. Her worldview is being shaped as we speak. So, and it could be, hopefully, in the Sunday school room. It could be on the playground. It could be, you know, uh, at school. But she is going to find out the answers to those questions right now. And we often think, you know, we've got 18 years. To, to shape their worldview, but I honestly believe this day and age, let's face it, we've, we've really got about 11 or 12 years, because they're, they're their own person, and they're they're making up their own mind, and at the age of accountability, they're, you know, our job is not done for sure, but we, those formative years are vital, especially leading up to that 11, 12, 13-year-old grade, and so that's when I personally made the decision to come off the road and plug in full-time with family and stay home as much as possible. Ryan O'Quinn with us, and if you want more information about his production company, Damascus Road, just go to ryanoquinn.com. He's got a new movie coming out. Hopefully he'll come back with us to talk about Ticket to Nashville, which is a country music film that he's getting ready to shoot with our good friend Kevin Sizemore. So, Ryan, I, I hope that you'll come back and talk to us when you guys get going on that. Uh, we would love to. Thank you so much, Roman. I appreciate that. Ryan O'Quinn. Producer, actor, when we come back, more on Sold Out Sports Talk on American Welcome back to Sold Out Sports Talk. Here with Troy Davis, former Minnesota Timberwolf. Troy, you, it must be exciting to have all that's going on here in your city. Uh, it's been uh, a while. Yeah, very excited, very excited. I mean, it's a... Uh... You know, it's uh, this is a great place. Minneapolis is a great place to host an event like this. So, you know, we're excited. Troy, tell me about your experience with the Timberwolves here. When did you start with the, with the Wolves? Um, I started in '02. I played from '02 to '07. Um, you know, with the big ticket, Kevin. Oh yeah, that. yeah, that was good times. Yeah, so those were good times. I played with Spreewell, Cassell. Yeah. Um, you guys had a good basketball team. Just never yeah. really came together when you needed, right? Exactly. I mean, we made it to the conference finals. Uh-huh. Myself, along with Sam Cassell, uh, got injured, so it kind of halted yeah. us a little bit. But you know, right now we're back. We're back looking good. Wolves you know? do look good right now. Exactly. I, I, yes. Everybody's talked about that this year about how up how up and coming they are, and they're young. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we have a, a young group. We have a veteran core uh, with um, Jimmy Butler, uh, Jamal Crawford, and then you had your young uh, guys in there, Towns and Wiggins, who are exceptional talents, and a great point guard in Jeff T. I mean, we're looking to do some great things in the playoffs this year. Okay, I grew up in L.A., right? Kobe, yes. Kobe Bryant, you know, obviously you, you had opportunity to play against him, correct? Yes, exactly. What's it like to play against Kobe, a guy who can score like that? I mean, he's one of the greats. I mean, Kobe Bryant is a guy who... You know, when you, you, you look forward to playing against him the next night, but you get a lot of rest because you know he's going to bring it. He's a focused competitor. And, uh, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a great for a reason. I mean, he took no stops. Troy, tell me about the NBA uh, this year. Everybody looks at the Golden State Warriors and that they've changed basketball. Somebody, somebody said that they're the closest thing to – I've even heard people say they're the Harlem Globetrotters in terms of their ball handling ability and the things that they do and the work ethic – uh, from an NBA standpoint, why why are the Golden State Warriors so good for basketball right now? Unselfishness. 
and I think that's the way the game was invented by Dr. James Naismith. I think it was invented as an unselfish game, and, I mean, they they show that to the T. I mean, you have guys all the way from the front office to the basketball court where guys take pay cuts in order for other guys to, to stay on the team, and they also take they won't take a shot to pass it to the open guys. So, I mean, when you look at them players, like, it's like poetry in motion. I mean, it just looks uh, flawless. Okay, so Troy, what are you doing now here in, in the area? I, I hear some really good things about what you're doing with men's mentoring and, and in, in the community. Tell me about what's happening in Minneapolis here. For oh, you. yeah, definitely. Me and, and my brother, uh, Corey Dean, I uh, also go by the name of Cross. Um, we run a mentorship called uh, Man Up. It's an African-American male mentorship where we focus on social skills, economic skills, and kind of bringing these um, guys who don't have an opportunity to see things outside of their um, their area, try to try to show them life um, on a different level. How long have you been doing this? Uh, well, we've been mentoring for uh, quite some time now. Uh, the Man Up Club has been going on for five years now. We actually took, five years ago, we took a... a a group of young men to see the White House in Washington, D.C. Um, when President Obama was uh-huh. in office. So that was a great opportunity for us to show them that anything is possible. So the name of your organization? Uh, Man Up. The Man, Man Up. Up Club. Oh, awesome. Yes. That's exactly. a great name. So if yes. we want information, people want to know more about, especially in our area here, mm-hmm. the Man Up Club, what do they do? Uh, you go to www.manupclub.com, manupclub.org. Uh, we have everything on... Um, on Twitter and Facebook as well. Um, so, you know, you can find us in all those uh, social media outlets. So let me see if you can do this. A quick story about a, a young man that you helped, maybe maybe something that we, we need to know, so, so the kind of things that you would do, something that maybe is a memory for you. Um, we would bring them in um, and get to know their story. I think that's the most important thing is getting to know their story and not be judgmental um, and understand each person's plight and where they come from, um, and then you kind of build from the outside, from the inside out, and um, just take them to the next level um, and, and stay with them, be there for them, you know, night in and night out. I think that's what our whole uh, organization is about. Troy Davis with us, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. He's all about man up, the organization. And uh, Troy, uh, does the does the organization have a religious or a faith based theme at all, or or, or do you the kids do you try to get them into maybe a church atmosphere? Or? Exactly. I mean, we we have everything is core is Christian values. Oh, awesome! Um, but we don't turn anyone around. Sure. Um, you know, the Christian faith is about helping everyone. Right. Um, but we do instill Christian values just from a organizational standpoint and from a leadership standpoint. And many of these kids have never had. I, mean, we, I guess I go into public schools for a drug and alcohol education program. Yes. They call it life skills. You and I would call it biblical principles. Right. Uh, so you're teaching these kids those important life skills that that many of them missing because they're not getting them at home uh, and many that have never had them correct exactly I mean you have kids that come you know from from one whole um, one parent household some of them don't have any parents you know they may go from uh, home to home so we, we, we're very sensitive to that but at the same time trying to give them these principles um, and where they are at, you know, so we don't try to lord it over to them, but we try to meet them where they're at and do our best at it. Is this something that you got into because you you came from a tough background or had some situations in your own life? Uh, of, of course, you know, I, I didn't come from the toughest of backgrounds, but definitely I came from public housing, mm-hmm. um, one parent household. Uh, my father was 
in the picture. He was a military guy. So um, I didn't see him as often as I would have liked, but he was definitely there and I had support. But still, I saw people around me that didn't have the support that I had. Um, and you always kind of feel for them because what if they would have had that type of support? I know a lot of guys could have been more successful than they had than they were. And you're using that platform of being a former NBA player, which kids look up to, and uh, that's what that's what faith, family, and sports and, and sold out is all about. It's using that platform, not not relying on what you did in the past, but using that past to make an impact on kids today. Definitely, I mean, because I mean, they a lot of them don't have anyone to look up to. Um, so when they come to you, they're going to open up. And you have to be the outlet for them. Um, and, and it happened for me. So I have to give back in the same way that was given to me. Okay, so we're going to give you some props. You, so you shut down Kobe. How many do you have? What, 30 that night you shut him down? Oh, I had 37. <laughs> <laughs> but that's pretty good, though. Because shutting him down, some people got 50 to 75, you know? Exactly. You know, I wouldn't say shutting him down. I just gave him a dose of his own medicine. Troy Davis. Minnesota Timberwolves, manup.com, correct? .org. Oh, manup.org. Yes. Go to manup.org. Check out his wonderful program here. Uh, Troy, thanks for your work. Thanks for all you're doing. Thank you. Appreciate you coming on. You've been listening to Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. Our podcasts are available at AFR.net. You can follow Roman on his official website, soldouttv.com, and on Facebook at Roman Gabriel III. We'll catch you next time on Sold Out Sports Talk, your source for faith, family, and sports.